Welcome back, patriots. When we left off last time, American colonists were fed up with being taxed without being represented. They thought they deserved to be heard. This time, we're going to talk about what happens when things just keep getting worse and worse, and it all leads up to the Boston Massacre. First, let's meet my friend Preston. Hi, my name is Preston Green. I'm 13, uh, and I have some questions about the Boston Massacre. So my first question is, who shot first? Did they ever find out? Was there a big reaction to the massacre? Did the British think that they were right, or did they think that they made a big mistake? What happened to the survivors? Those are some good questions. Before we get to the answers, though, let's talk a little bit about how we got to this point. probably remember that things were not going so well between Britain and the American colonies. Well, since 1765, people in Boston in particular had been protesting. Even riots were becoming somewhat common. So in 1768, the governor of Massachusetts asked for troops to come over from Britain to Boston to protect the government against the people, to restore order and collect those taxes. Well, as you can probably imagine, the people of Boston didn't particularly want a bunch of soldiers around, and there were a bunch of them. There were only 16,000 in the whole city of Boston, and there were 2,000 soldiers. So for every eight regular people, there was a soldier watching them. So there were all these people, all of these soldiers, and nobody really getting along. When on March 5th, 1770, a fight broke out between a British soldier and a colonist late at night. A colonist threw something which hit a soldier. He ended up shooting into the crowd. More soldiers shot, and colonists ended up dead and injured. So it started out with a fight kind of like any other, but it ended up with what would come to be known as the Boston Massacre. Now we're going to talk to a real expert on the subject and find out all the details. Joining us this week is Mark Linehan from the Freedom Trail. Um, first, would you tell us a little bit about what the Freedom Trail is? Hi, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, so the Freedom Trail is the 16 historic sites of Boston uh, that really helped contribute to the American Revolution and the founding of America. So it stops as diverse as the Boston Commons and the Massachusetts State House, the Old State House, the U.S. Constitution, the Bunker Hill Monument, and everything in between. Okay, and you have a particularly cool job there. Um, will you tell the kids about what you do? Sure. So I'm a tour guide on the Freedom Trail. So for the past six years, this is my seventh season on the Freedom Trail. So for the past six years, I dress up in colonial dress, and I go out on the Freedom Trail, and I take visitors from all over the world up and down the Freedom Trail through Boston. Okay, and you play a specific character, right? Yes, uh, I have always played Thomas Hutchinson III, uh, who was the son of the royal governor of Massachusetts, Thomas Hutchinson. He was the royal governor from 1771 to 1774. He was essentially the royal governor from the Boston Massacre to the Boston Depot, basically. Okay, so you play someone who was a loyalist 
who was on the side of England, not on the side of the colonists. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, and when we're told to pick a character, uh, we're told to really research the sites and research the events first and then see if someone pops up that interests us. And I grew up in Massachusetts, but doing all this research about uh, the Boston Masters, the Boston Tea Party, and the Sandbag Riots, and all these other events, the character Thomas Hutchinson kept popping up again and again and again. And I had never heard of him, even though I had grown up in Massachusetts. And I then found out that because he really um, was emblematic of the the loyalist, of the uh, loyalist and loser, really, because he was seen as the ultimate symbol of the American loyalist, he was essentially purged from history. Like, we keep King George the bad guy, but Thomas Hutchinson was the guy who was hated that you know, monuments and streets and towns that were named after him were all renamed. Uh-huh. Even the Hutchinson family tomb in the North End was emptied and the name was carved over so that the family would be completely forgotten. Oh, gosh. And so doing all this research into the different sites, I find out about this guy who's like the most hated man in America, and just based on my own sense of humor, I said, oh, man, I've got to play that guy. <laughs> but the royal governor was in his 50s and 60s during the events of the American Revolution, and I'm in my 30s, so I then found out that his eldest son was 25 to 36 during the events of the American of the 1765 to 1776, and that's my age. But also, my character owned a third of the tea that was destroyed at the Boston Tea Party, so that gave me an interesting angle to do my tour. That sounds like a fun job. It's an awesome job. That's great, and it sounds like you might be. Just perfect to answer the questions this week from Preston. Yeah, I'd be happy to answer as many questions as you have. Okay, well his first question was, do we know who fired the first shot? At the Boston Massacre? Yes. So what's so interesting with so many events on history is that it's always amazing to kids to learn how much we don't know. There are, with any event, um, you have consensus among historians, but generally speaking, we always we had different eyewitness accounts, especially something like the Boston Massacre. You had a lot of differing eyewitness accounts, many of which contradicted each other. So the version, so if you took if you took the Freedom Trail tour from all of our tour guides, you would hear 30 different versions of the Boston Massacre, and all of them are backed up by at least one primary source. Sure. But we believe that the first shot was fired by Private Montgomery, who was at the end of the line, and we believe that he fired the shot when Crispus Attic uh, grabbed his weapon and knocked him over. And there's some differing opinion as to whether or not uh, he fired intentionally or the, his weapon hit the ground and it fired accidentally. But we're pretty sure that Private Montgomery fired the first shot, and we definitely know that Crispus Attic was the first martyr of the American Revolution. So we know that he was the first one killed. Oh, okay. And then this, his second question is, what was the reaction to the Boston Massacre? So the reaction in Boston, uh, the short answer is, it was horror. I mean, people were so shocked that British soldiers would have fired into their own people. I mean, remember at this time, we are all British subjects. Mm-hmm. And the immediate reaction in Boston was one of horror, but it also was regarded as a national tragedy 
throughout the entire country. Uh, people from New Hampshire to Georgia were all horrified by the events of the Boston Massacre. And the reason why it's so important to learn about is because it was that event that really started to speed up all the political activity and civil disobedience and, in some cases, violent disobedience. If you look at the burning of the H.M.S. Gatsby in Rhode Island in 1771, mm-hmm. almost all the events that happened after the Boston Massacre were a result of the Boston Massacre because this, it was such a major event that everyone was primed up and everyone regarded it as a tragedy. Wow. And afterwards, uh, did the British still think that they were right to to fire, or did they think they made a mistake? How did, what did they think? Well, with any historical event, you know, there's the facts of the issue, and then there's also the perception of the issue. So part of the problem with the Boston Massacre was that we immediately uh, accounted for what we thought occurred, and we made sure that it got back to London as quickly as possible. And the thing was that even the British soldiers involved were horrified at what had happened. You know, just like today, back then the military answered to civilian authority. Mm-hmm. The idea of military soldiers killing civilians was just as unacceptable in 1770 Britain as it would be today. Uh, but for the patriots, for men like Sam Adams and Robert Green Payne, what was important was that a fair trial be conducted of the soldiers in Boston. They wanted, because the military answers to civilian authority, what mattered the most to the citizens of Boston was that these men be held accountable in the place where this had happened. Mm-hmm. So what they wanted to avoid was for the soldiers to return to London and be held under a court-martial and then for the charges to be quietly dismissed and then everyone forgets about it. Right. Because not only did they want the soldiers to be held accountable by the civilians where it happened, so by the province of Massachusetts, but also they wanted to show that Bostonians, that provincials, were followers of the rule of law. Because up to this point, Bostonians had a reputation for being involved in mob violence all the time. This is, Boston has been regarded by the rest of the world as just an angry mob with just one constant riot. So for the Patriots, they also really wanted to show that we were law-abiding citizens and putting on a fair trial would achieve that. Okay. And his last question is, what happened to the survivors? So to the survivors, um, so in the immediate aftermath, there are three dead and then two more die of their wounds later. So the total of five dead But what's interesting about the survivors is that, depending on which book you read, uh, there are different tallies of wounded. Uh, I've seen accounts that say six wounded, eight wounded, nine wounded, ten wounded. So for the survivors, it would have been just as traumatic as any other of violence that we have today. In the immediate aftermath of the shooting, what's interesting is that you have this mob of two to three hundred people, the soldiers fire into the mob, and the mob's immediate reaction is to run to the house of the acting governor of Massachusetts, the royal governor's out of town, and the lieutenant governor's in charge, and that's actually Thomas Hutchinson, the father of the person I play, and their immediate reaction is to get the highest authority in the province 
and bring him to the scene in order to fix the situation. So it's interesting how people, you know, most people just turned and ran, but then some, some people did have the sense to get the best form of help that they had available at the time. And Governor Hutchinson also then orders all the British soldiers out of Boston. So after the Boston Massacre, these soldiers who had been staying in Boston are now living on Castle William out in Boston Harbor. So for the survivors, even though back then we didn't have the language of trauma or the language of mental health that we have today, this event would have been an extraordinarily traumatic event for the people of Boston. And it also happened at the epicenter of our commerce and our government. It happened right in front of our um, province house, it happened right in front of the townhouse, mm-hmm. um, which was at the end of King Street, which turned into the Long Wharf, which was the center of all Boston commerce. So almost all Bostonians would have had to walk through where the Boston Massacre occurred at least once a week. So it would have been an extremely traumatic event for the people of Boston. Wow. Well, that is it for Preston's questions, but are there any sort of um, little-known stories that you can share with us? Uh, specifically about the Boston Massacre? Yes. Um, you know, it's funny, the, the story of the Boston Massacre, it's actually the Thomas Hutchinson angle that most people aren't aware of. Um, and like I said before, the thing with the Boston Massacre is there are so many different versions of the story that everybody knows one version but doesn't always know another one. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, what, what interests people the most on my tour is hearing that in the aftermath, Sam Adams and the other patriots and Sons of Liberty, to ensure that these soldiers receive a fair trial, end up recruiting a fellow patriot and cousin John Adams to be the defense attorney for the soldiers who committed the Boston Massacre. It's actually one of the first things that gets John Adams a national platform. And so people are often astounded to learn that John Adams, the first thing he does that brings him to national attention is he's the defense attorney for the soldiers who committed the Boston Massacre and that he was recruited by the Sons of Liberty who are the people that everyone else in the country thinks are going to break these soldiers out of prison and hang them without a trial because mob violence and vigilante justice is how they normally operated. But what's so interesting about John Adams' service is that even though his legal career suffered because he had taken on the British soldiers as a client, later on in his life, after he served as president, he looked back on his life, I believe this was in 1810, I believe he said this, he said that, being the defense attorney for the soldiers committed the Boston Massacre was one of the most honorable parts of his career. That was actually one of the moments in his life for which he was most proud because it showed an allegiance to the law mm-hmm. above passion. Yeah, making sure that they had a fair trial. Yeah, it was, it was saying that, you know, our love of law and our commitment to the rule of law goes above our own politics and our own short-term gains. There are some things that are more important than just what's happening on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in, you know, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that they, they made sure that, that justice was at the forefront. Absolutely. And you can see a lot of the Bill of Rights in particular 
are directly tied to Massachusetts because many of the Bill of Rights, they seem a little outdated. Like, you know, the Third Amendment says, no soldier shall be quartered in a private home. Mm-hmm. And today we think of that as ludicrous, the idea that, you know, three soldiers would show up and say, congratulations, we live here now. But right. because that's what happened in Boston, where the Army showed up and said, hey, the town of Boston now has to provide us with lodging, because that was something that had happened in Boston and New York, uh, to make sure that it would never happen again, it was included in the Constitution, and thankfully that's why some of those rights seem so ludicrous today that we have to write them down, because they've never been infringed. But it's thanks to the experiences of people of Boston and New York and the other 13 colonies, it's because of that that they were able to craft the Constitution to avoid the kind of tyranny that we suffered under Britain. Yep. Okay, well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really fun. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So there it is, the very first fight of what would become the Revolutionary War, even though they didn't know it yet. So let's talk a little bit about what we learned today. Historians are pretty sure that the first shot was fired by Private Montgomery, but we know that the first person that was shot was Crispus Attucks, so he was the very first person killed in the American Revolution. But another thing that we don't really know is if that was intentional or if Private Montgomery shot by accident. But when the Boston Massacre was over, there were five people dead, several people wounded, and everything had changed. The reaction was total horror. Remember that most American colonists still saw themselves as British, so they felt like the British soldiers were firing on their own people. So that really sped up a lot of the things that led to the American Revolution. This was a turning point. But even the British soldiers were upset about what had happened. These were civilians that were killed, not other soldiers. So they were probably surprised that the people of Boston, their immediate reaction was to go to the governor and bring him to the scene. He got everyone out of Boston, but they brought back for a fair trial instead of returning them to London. They wanted to prove that people in Boston were lawful. And part of that was having the Sons of Liberty, the people who were most against the soldiers in Boston, getting together to hire John Adams, a great lawyer and somebody who would be awfully famous later, to defend those soldiers that he was really against. But he knew that having a fair trial was so important. And even after he became president later in life, he looked back and said that defending those soldiers was one of the most honorable things he ever did. Making sure these men got a fair trial was a really big deal. And it tells us a lot about the Founding Fathers. And a lot of that will go into things like the the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and everything else that would make America, America. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Remember, you can visit growingpatriots.com to check out the Growing Patriots history books for kids and to find resources like coloring pages and videos that go with every single episode of the podcast. We are at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You should be able to find us wherever you listen to podcasts, but if we're missing anything, please let us know. And when you're listening, please remember to rate and leave a review. That really helps other people find it. But tell a couple of friends about us as well. We will be back in a couple of weeks for another big event that takes place in Boston. Can you guess what it is? We will see you then. Bye. They freed us all from tyranny.